0: Good morning everyone and welcome to Classroom 2.0 Live today. And good morning, and good afternoon, good evening, hopefully not good night. And if it's good night wherever you're located, hopefully you'll stay out with this for another hour as we talk today about telling stories with digital threads. And we're going to have our very special guest, Chris Biggenho, who's going to talk to us a bit. And we are so glad that you've joined us. I'm here today by myself. Lauren's daughter is getting married, and Peggy is traveling out of town today. So I hope that you'll help me out in the uh, audience today with questions and so forth. And each week we gather at the same time to discuss technology tools and issues. And our broadcast consists of a one-hour session that is recorded. The link to the full audio and video recording and chat log are posted to our Classroom 2.0 live site at live.classroom20.com. And the topic's posted there each week on the Classroom 2.0 live site so that you can be prepared with links ideas and suggestions to bring, as well as the newbie question of the week is pre-announced so that you can bring some ideas and possible solutions to help those that are new to the topic. I'm going to, Before we begin, I want to review some of the features of today uh, that we are going to be using today in Illuminate, and Illuminate just converted to a new setup in here. And we're going to talk about some of those things just briefly. During today's sessions, we're going to be asking some polling questions. And to cast your vote, we'll be using the check mark and the red X. And that's located in the right below the participant window. It's no longer located in the top menu bar. Below the participant window is a hand with a green arrow on it. And at the and towards the end of the session if you'd like to ask a question or share something please raise your hand and you'll be given the ability to use the mic to speak and next to the hand are two emoticons the applause symbol and then a thumbs down symbol in the far right is a blue door and if you need to step away from your computer you'll click the blue door to let us know that you're not available at that time and next to the blue door are the polling and the voting symbols, they're now located right there. So whether it's the check or X or A, B, C, D, whichever polling options we'll be using, that's where they're now located. Below those symbols is the chat window. And if you'd like to send a message to the room, you would type your message and then click the send button. And to make sure that the message goes to this room, make sure the words this room are visible. And if you wanted to send a message to a specific person or the moderators, use the drop-down arrow to make your selection. Um, remember that moderators are able to see all private messages throughout the session, but they're not in the recording. In the bottom left is the button to activate your microphone, and be sure that when you're clicking your mo- uh, when you click the mu- button to speak, that you also click the button to deactivate the mic button when you're finished speaking. If you can't see the chat, the whiteboard, or you'd like to resize the different windows, you can change the session layout. You would click on view in the top menu. Sometimes the layout is locked, so you may need to unlock it. And then you can select the desired layout that shall. You can resize the windows to fit your screen and then once you have this the size and the windows the way you'd like them you can lock them back we do offer closed captioning features for hearing impaired participants Um, thank you so much Tammy. Tammy does our closed captioning features each week and she is phenomenal and we are so grateful and appreciative that she is on our team and a part of this and does this for us each week so if you have friends uh, our colleagues that are hearing impaired they can join the session live or they can um, view the session and see the closed captioning chat and be able to participate um, that way with us and we're just so grateful that she does that for us. Today we're going to be using the whiteboard tools. We're going to be using the laser pointer which is the little blue wand with the red sunburst at the end. So if everybody would click on that laser pointer tool and then click on your location in the world on the world map and sometimes the little um, little sunburn valve goes a little bit to the left. You may need to drag it over a bit to indicate the correct location. See in a lot of places in uh, the United States. One in Canada, Asia, and we're so glad that you've joined us wherever you are today in the world, whether you're viewing the recorded session or whether you're joining us live. And we thank you very much for doing that today. So now we're going to go ahead and we're going to go on to the polling questions. Oops, I went too far. And the first question is, would you find it useful to have interactive whiteboard activities for your students to do hands-on? If so, would you click the green check next to the blue door? And if, you, if you're not interested in those kinds of activities for your students, click the red X. If you would like to find, if you find those activities useful, and click the green check. And I have a feeling that it's going to be an overwhelming majority. And let me go ahead and get those results. And it looks like about 77% are in agreement. We didn't have any negative uh, votes. So that's a great majority and I'm glad that people are inter- that are interested in interactive activities. And our next polling question is, do you find that sometimes, do you find that sometimes you wish you could quickly add a graphic to the whiteboard to explain a tool or concept as needed during a presentation? Okay, flip the green check. Okay. Let me go ahead and get those results. Looks like about 57% and 3%. Maybe you don't have a need for that or they're not working with students. And let's go to the last one. Do you wish you could make your presentations more dynamic by having on-screen props that you can move and manipulate to explain concepts? So if you could go ahead and ring in for that one. We have about 66 percent that have uh, voted positively for that. And we're going to be continuing these uh, similar interactive um, aspects and uh, with students today with the digital threads and the digital storytelling with Chris that, and kind of piggybacking from what we did last week with Tammy or previously and so forth with Tammy um, with our fantastic Illuminate session and the interactive whiteboards. Uh, We're going to kind of continue that same line of thinking today, and we're going to be talking about how can you use the digital threads in your classroom, and it can also be used with whiteboards or just a regular um, projector in in your classroom. And so I'm going to go ahead and pass it to... uh, Chris and Chris, we're so glad that you joined us today and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and then um, go ahead and get started right into uh, your, your slides and your presentation. We're very excited uh, that you have joined us today. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Um, yes, I am uh, the Director of Educational Technology at Green Hill School in Dallas. And uh, let me turn the volume up just a little bit. Um, And I also am a a doctoral student at the University of uh, North Texas. And uh, so this is um, an area that I've been playing around with, uh, digital stories. Uh, I know that we're doing a lot of uh, digital storytelling at uh, our school. And uh, the teachers are using uh, various tools of voice threads and the, you know the um, using Audacity and, and other tools to try and create these uh, these stories, but uh, they tend to, to be limited to a single tool. And uh, what I found is as uh, I was playing around with um, uh, it was actually a program called XMind, which is a mind mapping tool. Um, I I discovered that uh, it could actually end up being a kind of a neat storytelling tool. It just so happened that that coincided with, uh, I guess you could say, a, a two-week, about a two-week obsession with uh, following the uh, what happened in Iran with the elections and, and what happened after the election. And so, uh, what I'm going to share with you is, is kind of a story that unfolded before me. And uh, let me just go ahead and launch right into that here. And I've titled this uh, Telling Stories Through Digital Threads and the idea here is that um, these are stories that are being told by other people. Uh, these are stories that are being told by uh, participants and observers of an event. And so that's that's kind of where this came from and, and I use Twitter. Uh, Quite a bit, and so as I was using Twitter, uh, I used TweetDeck to to track, and I started off by by tracking a single what we call hashtag, and uh, the hashtag uh, in this case I was just tracking Iran, and uh, I discovered that um, there were other hashtags that were appearing as well. So uh, that was kind of the, the the gist of how I stumbled upon this, and the the further I went with following these threads these uh, tweets, if you will, the, the more engaged I became, and at some point I began to capture the images. And uh, so let me just go ahead and, and get you started here. Um, as you know, there was an election in Iran uh, approximately about a, about a month ago, and as the results were announced, um, apparently these results were uh, different than what was expected, at least uh, what some people had expected and so as these results came out uh, the people in Iran began to protest and in the beginning these protests were were peaceful and that was very evident in the the news coverage that was coming out that we could find on CNN or your news uh, station of choice and as these these news stories were coming out and showing these peaceful protests there was a point in time when uh, Something changed and the media uh, was then removed from the picture. In other words, Iran uh, basically shut down the media coverage and uh, the stories uh, got a little different at that point. Uh, What happened at that point is that the the stories still came out of Iran, but they were coming out um, obviously through other avenues. And this is where Twitter came in and many other forms of social uh, software. Uh, blogs and Facebook, MySpace, uh, YouTube, uh, y- picture sharing sites, Flickr, and so all these, these this information was coming out. Um, the story was continuing to be told, and, and at some point, uh, the the protests, uh, the violence had erupted, and uh, there was uh, violence uh, uh, in the streets of. Um, in various cities in Iran. And so as uh, as I was uh, watching all this unfold I began to actually take pictures if you will using, uh, in this case I use uh, Snagit, but uh, there are many other tools that you can use, but I took pictures of the The tweets as they were coming, I just started to save them i didn 't know what I was doing i didn 't know why I was doing it, but I was intrigued by this. I thought, this is a moment in history I want to capture this uh, there's a kind of a, a little history in that for me i've i've always been i've always enjoyed history been fascinated by it. sometimes I wonder why i didn't end up being a history teacher um, but as i uh, as I captured these things it was it reminded me of capturing other stories where you know a historical event occurred I would take the newspaper uh clippings or I might take a, a magazine cover in this case though I was it was happening online it was happening with uh, the social media so I began to capture these and uh and that's where the story actually took off the story continued from that point so these are the various tools that I used uh used uh in this case uh most of the the social software that's out there, plus a couple of things that are a little different. There's some trending tools that I found kind of fascinating that we'll also use to help tell the story. Uh, Let me stop for a moment before I go any further just to see if there are any quick questions.
0: Does anybody have a question that they'd like to ask now? Um, If so, you can put your question in the chat or um, we can give you the mic real quick. If not, we can continue on with the presentation and ask the questions at the end.
1: Uh, Yes, trending tools. Um, As I mentioned, there were different tags. And as I said, I started out with hashtag Iran. And you'll see this as as the story unfolds, but then there was Iran elections, hashtag Iran elections. Uh, GR88 was another one. And uh, the trending tools allow you then to see which tags are are trending, are becoming more popular within a topic. Um, It could be within Twitter, um, entirely within Twitter. Uh, In other words, uh, what tag is most popular in Twitter right now, or it could be, of these three tags, which one is most popular? So the trending tools, and there's some interesting uh, charts that will come out of that uh, that that helps tell some of the story. So those are the trending tools, and and we have some links to those later. All right, well, if there are no more questions at this point, let's move forward. And this is where we began, with Twitter. And uh, in Twitter... um, what I found is that uh, the tweets I was capturing I could categorize. I began to to kind of notice that some of these things were coming from inside Iran, some were coming from outside Iran, and some were also offering technical advice. Uh, there were also tweets that were uh, being uh, very helpful. There are also tweets that were being misleading. And uh, it, it was interesting because CNN, this is a, a, a new thing, CNN covered this uh, quite extensively, but they covered it through the social media. And they've had to struggle themselves with trying to figure out how they report the news when they're not on the ground determining ground truth. So how do they report that uh, with, through the social media? And uh, it, it was a, it's very interesting to follow that as well. So it's kind of what ended up happening here as I began to go through this. And so the technical advice really broke down into these three categories, anonymous, cell phones, and bypass. And so if we take a look at uh, those which are anonymous, these are some of the tags. I, I captured many, but I put a few up here that, that talked about... Anonymizing uh, helping the Iranians to anonymize themselves, and so you can see the first one up here is that uh, send an anonymous email by using this, and they they're providing a link here to another location, a site that uh, in this case uh, is an anonymizer so the the idea is that uh, they're able to go ahead and and help the Iranian people. Um, hide themselves, if you will, uh, from, uh, from, from people who were watching. Whether it worked or not, it, obviously there's, there's some evidence that, that some of this didn't work as well as they, they thought it might. Um, but uh, nonetheless, there was a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of help coming out in terms of how to, how to get out of Iran, uh, get messages out without the Iranian government knowing who was actually sending them. So you'll see another one here. It says uh, to donate bandwidth. And they're they're using a TOR here uh, to do that, and it's you know telling it's hard to trace. And here's another one: uh, security forces cracking down. Now's the time to help anonymous surf, and then they're giving information on how to uh, um, how to make your uh, your computer on the outside work and help the people on the inside. And uh, so these are these are different uh, ways of of using your uh, your computer to serve as a proxy, if you will, or, or a way that someone in Iran could hit your computer anonymously and come back out. Part of this had to do with the fact that, that Iran actually began to filter or block down, shut down much of their um, uh, much of their, their internet and so this allowed them to actually get out and get around some of those filters. So the people on the outside, the world was saying let's help them and this is how they were doing it. So looking at the cell phones, here are some uh, here's some of the information coming from the cell phone uh, tweets. Uh, it, most of the, the, or I should say a lot of the information that was hitting the internet was actually being captured with cell phones. It turns out that uh, Iran has a pretty extensive cell phone network and it's fairly recent and I'm sure you've read about it in the news since um, because it has uh, been somewhat controversial as well in terms of the type of technology was actually there. But this, as the story unfolded, you could see people on the outside and some perhaps from the inside that were uh, sending messages like take out your SIM cards, leave the Bluetooth on, connect via Bluetooth. Um, here's another one that says you should change your SIM card often in the phones. Uh, the idea that you're constantly changing your identity then. Um, buy page as go phone so that the SIM card is, is not actually attached to you. Uh, and then someone says, well, no, actually, that doesn't work. If you take the SIM card out, you're not protected. And it is still traceable. So um, there was conflicting information that was coming out, and that was also part of the story. So then remember, this is a human story. This is a very real story. It was happening real time. As, as, as the events were occurring in Iran, the world was learning about them as this information came out. Uh, some of the information that, that was wrong or was misleading from the inside was uh, potentially from the government. There's, there's some evidence that might support that as well. Uh, there were people from the outside that were also sending bad information. So, uh, but it's, whether that's good or bad, it's, it's about the story, and that, that's what an it is. It was happening, and this allowed me to actually capture some of that. And then the, the bypassing the blocks, uh, here's a little bit more here about uh, anonymously uh, surfing. It, here's a site that you could go to that actually talks about how to um, uh, get around some of the internet blocking that was going on. And uh, one of my favorites was was a way to actually convert, to turn your machine into an anonymizer uh, to allow people to get around. So... Those are some ways that, that that was working. Now, on the outside assist, you'll notice that there was, um, this is where uh, that GR88 shows up. And, uh, and let's take a look real quick. Here's the hashtag, uh, Iran election and hashtag Iran. Um, in this case, uh, things were getting shut down pretty tight in Iran at, at one point uh, when it came to the um, uh, Internet. And so people were trying to be creative and, give other ways around the internet. So here is a a link, if you will, to a a site that uh, you can fax to. Basically you would fax to the site and they would post it um, for you at this iranfax.org. It's interesting that that site is still up and that site is, um, has actually changed their, their way that they do it because they've realized that they indeed weren't quite as anonymous as they thought they were. So um, that was it was uh, uh, very interesting. I see Carolina, Florida. You're you're right. How do you know that the anonymous is credible and reliable, unbiased information? The that is an excellent question, and that's something that people have to to wrestle with. Um, the the point is that the story was being told, and that was actually out there, and that's something that that we now have to work with. We have to try and and, and deal with. If you're technically savvy and you you get information from the outside and can confirm. Uh, through multiple sources that that, that's that's a a legitimate anonymizer, but who's also to say that they weren't actually sending anonymizers uh, that would actually, that were coming from the government as ways to capture information. So um, that's that, again, is just part of the story and, and the thread. And the idea here of these digital threads is that if I would get a tweet, it would inevitably lead me to something else. It would tug on, on me. So I, I would read the tweet and there would be a link to to a Facebook or to to a website. And here's, here's a website that, that I was led to through a tweet. Um, it says, where is their vote? You'll notice that this was actually done in... Uh, in, in multiple languages you know in this case it's farsi but on the same site uh, they were putting out information on how to deal with things like skin irritants. So you may remember from the news that there were times when helicopters were apparently dropping um, caustic materials, the liquids uh, causing burns, um, that there was uh, tear gas that was being used, and of course, as you've seen the videos, there was, you know, a need for other types of first aid, and so they provided information on CPR and, and treating broken bones. So. Uh, this this became this, this place where the, the world was participating in a story. It wasn't necessarily just in Iran. The, the world was also reaching in and uh, providing their own information. So um, there's, there's a lot that is going on in this in this story, and um, it was very real. It was very real. And so let's take a look now from some news that was coming from inside Iran. And this is where it really got very... Uh, uh, personal I guess you can say from a human perspective. Um, Here's some of the tweets. Here's uh, all foreign embassies surrounded by militia to stop people going in. Uh, Again uh, that may or may not have been the case but uh, as, as we talk about determining veracity. And that's one of the things that CNN had to deal with is how do we determine the veracity of this. And and much of it had to do with multiple eyewitness accounts or in in the case of people that had been informants in the past for them, um, reporting something that they they then took that as as being a little bit more valuable. And uh, you can see here's a picture. Uh, This actually comes from CNN. It's one of the eye reports. But this was taken by one of uh, the people in Iran and uh, so the Iranian government was going in and destroying computers uh, trying to eliminate or reduce access to the Internet. Uh, the image down below is uh, what was a live or almost live uh, feed uh, video um, that was coming in and there was other video that was coming in as well. So there's this, this collection of, of information. So you can see you pull you, you pull on one Tweet, and you ended up at a video streaming video site, or you ended up at an image site. Um, information coming from within Iran. Now, nada the the story NADA, Remember, I, I said that there were cer- certain tags. I was using, in this case, I was using uh, um, TweetDeck to track all of this. And so, in TweetDeck, I was using hashtag Iran, hashtag Iran elections g r eighty eight which i still to this day i've've checked out the the website there not quite sure why the g r but um but nonetheless uh that became a very popular tag and you'll see that in the trending in the end um, so this is a uh a this is a new tag that began to pop up. You may remember GR88 was a tag, yeah, hashtag GR88. Um, and I don't know what the GR stood for, perhaps green, but I'm not sure what the 88, if there was a significance to the 88. Um, so I still don't understand that, but I know that a lot of good information and a lot of uh, collaborative information was coming from that particular tag or with that tag. So the NATO story actually turned the, the uh, changed things up quite a bit. That was a, a, a touchstone moment, if you will, within the protests. And uh, if you're not familiar with Nada, um, let me just introduce you to her. Um, here is a, uh, uh, well actually before we do that, I, I'm going to take you to uh, some images, which are not necessarily Nada. but I want to show you in this case, this is a picture of Nada here, but I want to show you uh, some of the images that were that are online uh, from the election collected through social media that have become part of the story that is here. So let me see if I do this right. I think if I click this globe I should be able to send this all there. So let's see how this works. I'll just have to see how I get back. (laughs) Oh, I see. It launches in a separate window. All right, so so you can see now the the image playing here. Um, it'll play uh, it. it you know, I believe at the own rate for everyone here. But you'll see these images. There's just a collection. This is actually a, a collection that comes from Flickr, where people have posted images uh, from Iran of the of the uh, of the protests. And these protests, um, the the images are still being collected in uh, um, in Flickr, and uh, things are still going on. Although it's it's the information coming from within the country seems to have decreased and uh, that may be more obvious as we get a little bit further into this. So those are the images that are showing. I'm going to go ahead and move forward with this and and introduce you to NADA because NADA was that touchstone. In fact, um, such a touchstone that there was a hashtag NADA that actually uh, became uh, rolled in and uh, and this was a a way to follow a particular aspect of the story. Uh, Neda was a young, uh, I believe, uh, 26, 27 year old uh, student in uh, Tehran who um, was shot on the street and uh, unfortunately um, she was at the protest and she was shot. And uh, the thing is that CNN was not there. Um, The the mainstream media was not there and uh, to, to capture any of this. And so it's uh, interesting to see um, how this then unfolded online. Because the image that came back, someone happened to have been there with a cell phone. And they captured the the whole event with a cell phone. And for those of you who may have seen it, it is very disturbing. So I won't actually play the video for you, although the video is in part of the collection that you'll, you'll see. Um, but I won't actually play that. Uh, I'll leave that up to you. It's very disturbing. Uh, you actually see the young lady die. Um, and uh, in fact, when I first watched this, I was very disturbed. And I I thought, my gosh, if CNN were on the street, what would they do? How would they cover it? It didn't take long for me to see how they would cover it. Within uh, within just a few hours it was online after they had uh, determined that this had actually happened. Uh, it was online on their website and you can see that they pixelated her, her face. But, of course, the, the video that was um, uh, initially shot, of course, was not, and posted was not pixelated. So they told the story and, and that was that. And, uh, however, later that evening I noticed that they began to play the uh, video um, on CNN, and they they made an announcement that they were going to play it in the unpixelated form, and they they told why that apparently they had received a lot of uh, messages um, to about uh, about this, and, and that it's out there, and it, the story needs to be shown. And so um, it was interesting that I I went. Uh, it was actually the next day that I heard uh, on a, actually heard an interview with a couple of the people who are. Uh, charged by CNN to determine what goes on the air and what doesn't and how it's to be covered and this question was asked um how would they cover this how did they cover it? how did they decide to to go from the pixelated version to to the raw version and and that was it is that they had received such a uh, uh a flood of uh, people saying you need to show this. That they decided that they would show it, but only show it within the context of which uh, the video had been captured, and within the context in which the uh, the situation was occurring, and with ex- uh, extensive uh, warnings before it. And so it was interesting. I'm not sure that this would have actually shown had the um, had the media actually been on the ground to capture it. Uh, but it, it, it's again becomes part of the story, and that was the rally cry that, that came out of that. You can see here's some some other things that came up. How did people react? And um, here you can see that you know when uh, when she was shot, people didn't know who she was. And that's uh, part of the story as well. It was actually through a lot of the social media that her name came out, that her name was Neda. And uh, and it later got translated. Uh, apparently, this person says, which means voice or call in Farsi. Um, if anyone speaks Farsi, uh, if you can verify that, that would be great. Um, but that uh, that is, uh, you know, these are some of the, the sentiments. There are many. I've only uh, captured two here. You can imagine that there were many that were... Um, in, in memorial of her or talking about uh, what had happened here, um, the more that uh, the social media began to be shared, uh, the more information that came out and more people that could begin to supply information about who she was. Although you can see that um, some of the information, some of the reactions were were a bit different. Here's one that says NATO was not a good debater. Obama calls what is going on in Iran a debate. Iran, I apologize on behalf of the United States. So you can see that not everybody was agreeing with the, the U.S. policy um, uh, at that particular point. And, uh, and so it's Again, that is part of the story. That's, that's the history. That's the story of the people. Uh, and, and all I've been doing is capturing the tweets and, uh, and the collections of videos and the, video, uh, and the images that they have posted and began to string them together showing how these things relate. So um, as we take a look here, I'm going to take you to a, let me see a video site. Um, Actually I understand that the video may not play very well in here so um, I'm going to go forward with this and if there's time I can go back and 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 play the video but uh, I'll give you the link. Uh, You can see it there at the bottom. It's on Mashable and Mashable is a a site that, that brings together many different types of social media and in this case these are YouTube videos and so this person here and how did I find out about this? Again, it was that digital thread. It was tugging on a tweet that led me to this collection of videos here. And so you can see in this collection of videos here, um, we have uh, uh, ten incredible youtube videos he titles it and he i'm not going to go through each slide here, but you'll notice that um, he has uh, one there he basically has them in sequential order and uh, leading up to you know, how the pro the, the election results to so the uh, peaceful protests to the media being uh, removed uh, to, in this case, the actual video of uh, Nada uh, uh, being shot and dying. So it's interesting, though, that if you take a look, um, this is also from that same site. So. This is again part of the story, the story continues and it lives on and so here you can see um, some of the comments that were posted on that Mashable site and it's interesting though to note and if you were to go to that site uh, on your own, you would find that um, uh, the 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 comments that are made on the front end of this uh, comment section and those that are made most recently, the tone has changed somewhat. And again, that is also, that's part of the story. That's the story that's being told here. And uh, as as the story lives on, it it continues to evolve and and people's feelings and sentiments and and the knowledge of what's going on changes as well. So, uh, but again, you can see, these are things that people are saying and it's being captured because, well, because of this rewrite web, and and in, in this case, it can be told because you can then thread these things together. Um, so. Uh, the question came up earlier about the veracity, uh, how to how to determine the veracity of the information. How do we know that people are who they say they are because you can be anyone you want to be online? And that is very true. And that that is also part of the story uh, that needs to be told. And so you can see as we look at this, here's a particular video. Um, that particular tweet was saying that they, they haven't been uh, you know, forthright about all of the protests. In this particular case, this is the... Um, on the side here Ahmadinejad uh, rally and they said that the the rally was actually larger, um, and they're showing this large picture, but what they've discovered is that it was actually photoshopped to make it look like uh, it was a larger crowd. Um, Not that this has never happened before in the news, um, but in this case it was used as propaganda. so that that that's that's again you talk about veracity. how do you determine what information there is correct? Another area that the tweets led me to is Facebook, and you can see uh, in this particular case, I ended up on Uh, Mousavi's uh, Facebook. And you can see that his information was uh, both in Farsi and in English. And I found that to be rather fascinating as well. Now at first I wasn't sure whether this was actually his Facebook or not. Um, Because you can set up a Facebook and be anyone you want to be. But what I discovered is, is I continued to go back and look and watch what was happening. I could find information elsewhere on the internet that began to also verify that this was indeed Musavi's um, uh, uh, Facebook account, and so you can see here's some of the other information that's there he had linked out to in this case uh, a youtube uh, this happened to be a BBC video that got uh, posted onto YouTube but captured from uh from within and in this case it was captured by a person who is um, uh in this particular case, captured by someone who was in the country using a, 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 a cameras there. You can see that the information was also in both languages. It was in Farsi, it was in English, and uh, and, and they were providing information as well. In some cases, they're talking about the protests or announcing protests that, that may be coming out. Um, so to to bring this uh, to a close here, to take a look at some of the other, uh, the other, the trends, how, how big a deal was this? And there was some question about what are trends, what are the trendings here? Well, you can see this is, uh, gives you the dates and starting back here on June 12th, there's this uh, tremendous amount of information that was coming out of, um, this is dealing with Iranian election traffic. And uh, this um, particular uh, graph shows that on about, um, uh, well, let's see, um, Looks like fourteen hundred, so what would that be? two o'clock I believe uh on June twelfth The internet was basically shut down, coming out of iran and uh and that there um It was very interesting. You can see then it it slowly opened up after that, but not to the volume that it was before. And uh, these are the different routes and and passages, and I don't understand all of the information that's in there in terms of the colors, other than that they're different um, probably uh, nodes coming out of the country uh, as part of the Internet structure. But here you can see uh tags uh with uh hashtag Iran election. You'll notice here that the hashtag Iran election uh started on June twelfth and uh it 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 took off uh like wildfire. And this is looking at a month's uh collection, this is a, a month's collection. So from May twenty fifth to what will be June twenty fifth at that point, that that's the the way those those uh hashtags came out. And so you can see here's uh uh thirty uh what is it thirty thousand um tweets with that hashtag at that particular moment. That's in in that that's actually at that particular time on June looks like 17th. Uh you'll notice that some of the others, here's the GR eighty eight. And uh so you can see it was trending as well. Um, NADA, you'll notice started on uh June uh twentieth and that's because at June twentieth um the, uh, uh, this is when she was shot, and immediately this new hashtag, uh, a name, a girl that the world did not know about, suddenly was the battle cry, was the, the cry of the protest, became the touchstone of the protest, and, and uh, became known worldwide, and that hashtag native would actually get you many different, um, uh, many different um, sites and, and resources. Uh, Here's a couple other ways to look at it. You can see here um, that uh, we have uh, tweets per hour. So Iran election, these are using different trending tools of which I supplied links to these here at the end. Um, uh, Iran election, these are trending tools, uh, tweets per hour. You can see here it is with just Iran. Um, Here we have it stacked. You can see all in this case, Iran election, Iran and NATO. And you can see when they jumped in, and it's it's interesting to note that uh, the peak that occurs between Saturday and Sunday, uh, between June 20th 20th and June 21st, um, the the huge peak there in uh, the Iran tweets uh, using hashtag Iran uh, coincides also with uh, the hashtag NATO joining the uh, the scene so it's very interesting to see that is why it jumped so much perhaps more people began to use the the Twitter at that particular time so um, other ways that you can visualize these, and I'm going to go ahead and play a couple of these videos because these also help tell the story. So let me go ahead and see if I can launch a couple of these for you. And uh, the first one I want to do is uh, this visualization here. These are a couple of visualas- visualization tools, and I use these to. Um, uh, I used uh, just a. I use Camtasia actually to capture this, but you could use uh, Jing as well to to capture. Um, these images, or in this case, this video. So here you go. Here's a little video that shows, um, again, uh, illustrates or or plays, let's see if it plays here. Ah, here it comes. So this tool simply takes the tweets and uh, you put in a hashtag and it takes the tweets that are coming through with that hashtag and begins to place them in this, this visualization tool as it evolves from one to the next. It creates essentially a slideshow of live tweets and, uh, and so that's, that's what this was, as you can see that you know, it was taken here 16 minutes ago, and of course now this was on the day that I captured this. But um, you can see, and, and some of these are very, really, don't blame Hamas or the Arabs, these are Iranians doing this to us and we can talk to them and win them over. Um, it was clear that there were, there were also uh, people who were tweeting who didn 't understand the, uh, the the politics of the region the 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 people groups of the region, and uh, we're calling things uh, misnaming them, and, and that in itself could be a problem, and so that is also part of the story, but this is another way of telling that same story and uh, is to visualize that. Let me go ahead and play one more for you here. this is uh, i believe called top top tweets if i remember correctly uh top trends uh top content and uh in this case uh i had a ran election and I, it's kind of small there to see but i ran election and um iranian over on the other side um and then in the middle was john and kate um they happened to be there and I, I felt pretty good to see that John and Kate, uh, their story uh, wasn't changing much. There was so much uh, Twittering going on, on the Twitter sphere, if you will, with the hashtag Iran, hashtag Iran elections, hashtag GR88, hashtag Meta, but very little what was happening on John and Kate, which was big news here in the States, but... Apparently on a global scale, uh, people really were touched by the uh by what was going on uh in Iran and the Iranian people. So um you can see again, these are other ways that you can tell those stories to visualize those tweets. So that brings us to a close. This is the idea, again, of these, these, this digital story being told through these, these digital threads. Uh, the idea that you tug on one and it leads to another. It leads you to um, a, 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 uh, a picture, an audio clip. Another resource. It leads to, to good information, to bad information. But the thing is it is the story. It's the story that's being told by the people. And I just simply captured it. Um, and that's 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 what the uh as I see it, that's what storytelling through digital threads is about. And at this point I'd like to go ahead and open this up to questions and comments. And and yes, I do see Caroline, um yeah, there's there's huge potential in here uh for telling stories. Uh uh, in the classroom, students telling stories. Uh, it really at all ages. Um, what I did here was actually quite simple. Uh, I saw a question come back earlier um, about XMind. Uh, uh, XMind is actually an open source uh, mind mapping tool. Uh, you can utilize uh, the. I mean, it's it's free. Um, it has some internet capabilities, although they, it's not collaborative via the internet yet, um, but it's a very powerful tool for mind mapping. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, maybe freemind is another one that you're used to or or um, perhaps uh, um, inspiration is another. Um, yes, I have a, a list that uh, we'll put up here and uh, of, of resources. Um, let me go ahead and open this now uh, to, uh, to questions and comments.
0: If you have a question or a comment that you'd like to ask, you can type your question in the chat at this time. Or if you'd like to ask a question using your microphone, just raise your hand by clicking on the hand with the green arrow, and then I can give you the permissions to use your microphone, and you can ask your question verbally to Chris. And um, one thing, Chris, I noticed when I was when the election issue first started, that CNN wasn't covering the election. That it was mainly at first covered uh, via, like you said, the tweets and the cell phone. Um, what? And I can't remember exactly why CNN wasn't aware of the issue going on in Iran initially. Do you have any insight on that? Um, no, not
1: not in particular. They, um, I heard an interesting uh, talk uh, a, a week or so ago. Um, oh, for the life of me, the gentleman's name has now skipped my mem my my recollection, which is horrible. But uh, he's a, a reporter with NBC uh, and uh, one of the anchors there at NBC, and he was talking about the news cycle and how things move around. And uh, it's it's also interesting to note that when um, Michael Jackson uh, passed away, how quickly the news moved away from the election in uh, the protests in Iran, and uh, and really now it's it's a back burner story uh, in in mainstream media, but still not a uh, not a back burner story when you take a look at. Um, how the world is talking about it because these conversations where I captured these over that two-week period, this, this idea evolved over two weeks, um, that stuff is still there. That stuff is still coming back and, and people are still talking about it. Um, I, I remember them reporting about the election results and that the election results were going to come out. Um, But I think, in part, some of the information, I I can only speculate that some of the information that may have been coming out via the social media uh, showed things that were more graphic than what might have been shown in the mainstream media, and that perhaps that forced their hand. But that's just speculation, though.
0: Okay. Um, Does anybody else have a question or comments that they'd like to share? Um, Kristen, you talk a bit more about some of the trending tools that you use because I know that people were gonna they're great and they give great information um but they are not able to use them in the classroom. So um what are some suggestions for getting around some of those barriers?
1: Well, <laughs> yeah um using them in the classroom, every school is different in the way that they deal with the social media, and um I would encourage i guess uh, first of all that um the discussion needs to happen um, the education uh, is going to continue to go further get further and further behind the more we um, we stick to the blocking and the, the non-use of these types of technologies. And so that's the first thing is that we need to have that discussion and that discussion needs to happen uh, with open minds um, far up in administration and uh, in, in, in an education, all areas of education. Um, to get around it uh, is perhaps, uh, you know, if, if your school does block Twitter or, or blocks to YouTube and some of these other tools, is to, um, you know, the, the students aren't blocked at home, and uh, most likely, and uh, hopefully you're not blocked at home. So you can begin to collect some of these things. And in fact, I'm thinking you know, if you're a history teacher or you teach government, I couldn't think of a better way to, to begin to tell current stories, current, uh, to introduce a topic. Um, you can even take, a, it doesn't have to be through Twitter, but you can use the same idea of, of digital threads, uh, pulling from uh, online resources that may be not um, uh, you know real time, but uh things from the you know various museums and artifacts that are out there and and but link them together into this digital thread um uh, the The idea here is is it's not just the social media although that's that's where i stumbled upon this, and I see the power in this, but at the same time, I see uh uses in this that far uh transcend the, the the social media and that is new ways to tell stories um and, and that's the I, I realize that we all have stories to tell and we have a we now the world is our stage we can tell these stories and we can tell the world these stories and we can share them and and that's powerful that's a very powerful thing so I would encourage you know one is to is to have the conversation. Uh, to open things up and and the realization that the world is different than it was before and and business understands that, government is understanding that, I mean I I learned a year or so ago that that the CIA has its own MySpace, Facebook type account, uh, social network site. They realize the power in social networking. Um, not that we can participate in the CIA's social network, but they realize among themselves the power of social networking, and so they have developed a tool to actually allow them to do that. Why aren't schools also doing the same thing? And uh, opening this up and having this conversation on a global stage.
0: I agree, and it seems like a few educators who might have abused things um, kind of ruined it for everybody, And the administrators, like you said, are just kind of fearful of, you know, allowing that kind of access. And of course, you know, these kinds of digital thread projects don't have to be limited to using Twitter or Twitter or Facebook. You can use CNN and um, a Wikipedia article, or um, you know, if you're not if you don't (coughs) have access to Facebook, students. You know, there are other lots of resources out there, you know, CS, CNN, besides those kinds of things um, that you can use to create a story using different digital threads. Not, Of course, Twitter and those things that are live and current maybe are um, more innovative and more interesting sometimes, and that's where the screenshots would come in. Um, as an educator you can use those and bring those in and maybe the kids could do that and they might have to do that from home to bring that part in for their story. Um, but I think I think that's great but um, I'm hoping that people don't limit or feel limited so they're not going to try these kinds of things. Um, and like you said the conversations and showing you know what you can do um, with a digital thread even if you have to do it from home and bring in the screenshots, you can show that to your administrator, your district leaders and so forth and show them a good examples and modeling that, then maybe that would convince them to, you know, take the risk and and unlock maybe some of those sites just for the, the educators and down the line and kind of proceed that way. Do you agree that, that might be a good way to start, Chris?
1: uh certainly certainly um yeah it, it's if you um you think about the story that I just told um social media was was what uh brought that story to the world uh when the mainstream media was shut out of Iran, the fact that they had a um, a cell phone network that was robust, the fact that uh, people were technically savvy enough to use their phones and, and thought about that and, and they linked all this stuff to the internet. The story I just told was told utilizing social media because that's where the story took place. And that in itself is part of the story, is that that is where the story took place. But if you were, let's say, uh, working on a presentation or had your students doing a presentation on um, Mozart. You know, it doesn't have to be in history, or it could be music history. Uh, it could be uh, something in science. Uh, perhaps they're they're taking a look at, uh, you know, trying to compare, or uh, you know, we've got Einstein and Galileo and Newton, and uh, and they're wanting to tell a story of these three um, these three scientists. You can utilize information that's already there, capture that, and string. That Together and tell a story. Uh, the research is done. It's, it's another way of, of telling and, and demonstrating through um, authentic learning. And in this case, what I consider to be an authentic learning artifact. And they leave that behind. And uh, and the fact that you can record these. Uh, there are so many different ways to record these. And here you can see that uh, it's being done here in Illuminate. And my understanding is that this session is recorded. And so this session will be. Uh, can be uh, can live on after this period of time online. And uh, so, you know, don't let yourself be limited to the fact that what I showed was all in social media. Um, it's in social media because that's where the story took place.
0: Definitely. You can certainly expand, you know, the opportunities and the uh, possibilities are limitless of how you could take this idea and you know, adopt it and innovate it from your own classroom and your own needs and how to work that with your students. And Cher is asking, how would you solve the bandwidth problem?
1: Yeah, bandwidth, um, you know, again, that every like, school... Like, uh, uh. What was that?
0: No, I was just asking if she's talking about bandwidth in the classroom.
1: Yes, actually, I, okay. I'm going to put a plug in here for Tapped In uh, sure. as well. I see B, BJB is here. I have not uh, spoken with them in quite some time, but um, that's a very low bandwidth uh, space uh, for a, as a chat tool. Uh, there are other things that you can put together there, uh, links going out. Of course, if you're going to bring uh, the heavy media in, if you're going to bring video in, uh, you will have a bandwidth issue there. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's a great point, too, with the cell phones. And, again, that's going to be a fundamental change in schools. Schools are going to have to get with the program and realize that these are not just cell phones any longer. These are uh, communication devices. These are devices that connect with information on a global scale and uh, allow for... Uh, collaboration and and cognitive uh, abilities uh, via something that you can just carry around in your pocket and uh, the ability to share information and the ability to look things up. Uh, so uh, the cell phone is certainly uh, uh, going to be an important thing in, in the future. But if you're talking about right now, um, you know, obviously you're you're limit If you are limited by your bandwidth, then uh, you're going to have to take a look at the types of media you bring in. What I showed today was actually very low bandwidth intensive in terms of the actual presentation. The fact that it's going through, uh, you know, it's being streamed to everybody makes it more intensive. But the actual capturing and creating of the story and telling it to a, a group locally, I need to give you the background on this, I guess. This story was... Um, uh, as I said, I collected this over about a two-week period of time as things were going on, and I didn't realize what I had until I was about a week into it, and I realized that I need to keep this going because I've stumbled upon this digital thread, this th- digital story. Um, I wasn't planning to do anything with it for for probably a month and a half, two months, but I was at NECC, and I just finished a presentation on uh, uh, using... Uh, alternate reality gaming is a learning environment. And in that particular, when I was done, as I was walking along, one of my colleagues, I, I talked to them about this and said, Chris, you've got to show me how you do this. You've got to do a presentation tomorrow on this. I said, but I don't have it done. I don't have all my resources. I only have some of them. They said, no, you have to do it. So I told her, I said, well, if they have an opening, I will do the presentation. I'll put it together. So. They had a they had an opening, and I uh, signed up and that night uh till the wee hours of the morning put together the presentation that you just saw today and um that uh that was how this grew this was meant to be done in person at a at a, uh, at, a at a conference uh but the fact it can also be told uh, electronically uh streamed to you is is just a plus if you will it's it's an addition to uh, I guess it widens the audience and it brings it to a global audience instead of just those who could be with me on that particular day.
0: Definitely, definitely. And we thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. And your, the link to your blog and so forth is in our Glam link that I've posted. And I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up and I'll post the Glam link in here again in just a sec. Um, next week we're going to be having a great, great guest again. Um, we're so privileged to have such wonderful guests with us each week. And our topic is going to be how can I create great PowerPoints without breaking the law? Take 2.0. We're going to talk about what is PowerPoint 2.0 with Alvin Trustee. Uh, you may have heard of him. If not, you're in for a treat next week, next Saturday at the same time. And these are some of the great uh, learning communities that have been started by or um, that Steve Hargadon is a participant in and helping uh, grow the networks. And the interview series with Steve Hargadon is going to start back up on August 4th with the social networking and education with Dave Tosh from ELG, um, which is, a, if you're not familiar with what an ELG is, it's a, similar to a name sort of or a wiki kind of thing. Um, so you might want to uh, make mark your calendar for August 4th, that Tuesday. Um, at 11 p.m. Pacific, 11 a.m., excuse me, and 2 p.m. Eastern, and join Steve for an interview with uh, Dave Tosh. And the Beginner Series is going to start back up with Sue Waters on August 7th, and she's going to be talking about RSS feeds, and um, getting started with that, what to do, what an RSS feed is, and so forth. So uh, be sure to tune in that Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern um, and Thursday in Australia at 10 a.m. Australia Eastern Time. And just a reminder, we have a classroom to live Devo group. Uh, So um, that link to that is in the Glam link that I'll post in just a second. And we want to give a very special thanks to Chris Bickenhall for joining us today. And Steve Hargadon, who's the founder of Classroom2.0.com and thefutureofeducation.com. And now I need to add conversations.net. And then he's also in uh, conjunction with uh, growingthelearncentral.org. There's just only so much I can fit on a slide. And we're very uh, grateful that you've joined us today. And Chris, thank you so much this is the link to our survey and we hope that you'll take a bit of time you can click on that survey link um, you can also click on the link directly from the slide here and if you'll take a moment to fill that out and give eliminate a bit of information and more importantly give us information on how the session went today as well as for future sessions so that we can continue to bring you um, sessions and guests that are interesting to you and that are helpful to you in the classroom. And we are just very grateful for the feedback that you can give us. The recording links will be posted at our live site later this weekend. Steve is traveling at this moment, so hopefully he'll get the links situated and posted to our live site later this afternoon. Maybe tomorrow, hopefully, um, at the latest by Monday. But check back. And I usually post on Twitter and Plurk when the links are live. So um, keep checking there uh, when all of the recording links are posted. And we do have a new um, uh, MP4 that you can subscribe to in iTunes as well and download as a podcast to your iPod uh, format. So those are great things. And again, we thank you so much Chris. We thank everybody for coming today and we hope that you'll take just a few seconds to to fill out the survey. And we hope to see you next Saturday at the same time, 12 p.m. Eastern, uh, for the great session that we're planning on PowerPoint and how to create a great PowerPoint without breaking the law with Alvin Trustee. So thank you so much, everybody. And next week, Lorna and Peggy will be back with us And hopefully you will, too. So thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Um, So have a great afternoon, evening, or morning, whichever time of day it is for you. And thank you again. See you next week. Bye-bye, everyone.